You're listening to the Blair List Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Blair List Podcast. So excited to have fellow podcasters here, Nick and Armand from the Stay Busy Podcast. Hi, guys. How are you? What's going on? How you doing? How you doing? Good. Thank you for joining. We're Instagram friends turned real life friends. So always exciting when that happens. (laughs) (laughs) So on this podcast, we like to start at the beginning. Where are you guys from and what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, I'll start. So I'm from Englewood, New Jersey, born in Hoboken, New Jersey, raised in Englewood my whole life. The only time I moved, I moved two blocks away from my original house. Um, Growing up, I wanted to be a baseball player, loved baseball, played sports all year round, saw myself playing center field or right field for the Yankees. And once I realized that wasn't as realistic, (laughs) I kind of uh, found my transition. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster for ESPN. That was my motivation going into college and majoring in communication at Cornell, where I met this great guy, Nick Early. Yeah. Um, Bring it to now, bring it to the current day. Oh, and then okay. I'm sorry. I'm like, it's, it's such a. It's, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's such a long story. It's so many details. I try to tell it as short as possible every time I tell my story. But like, I wanted to be a broadcaster. Applied to some internships. It didn't work out. And I just kind of looked at my other interests and connections that I had, and that brought me to interning at a music blog startup called MusicTimes.com in New York City. Uh, got to you know transcribe interviews and listen to interviews and publish my own writing and I realized how cool it was to put my opinions out to thousands and hundreds of thousands of people and I was like I kind of like this and I know I'm a very opinionated music person so started writing in music journalism at a startup blog called Hand Me the Ox and then from there intern at The Source and wrote for Elevator, Kazi, Revolt, recently was on Pitchfork and now I'm here just kind of doing the independent freelance thing and uh, it's a blast I love what I do. Yeah, see, that's more full. That's more <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. This is this is why you're executive this producer. This is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. I'm right? That's what, that's what good co-host do. etiquette. You know, he's yeah, here to tell the yeah. full story. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'll tell my story. My name is Nick Early. I'm originally from California, uh, east of downtown, a city called Covina. If you're familiar, uh, shout out six two six. What's going on? And um, I, my plans for when I was a kid, I've always been one of those kids that kind of did a little bit of everything. I was in sports, I was in the arts. And when I talk about the arts, like I did creative writing to dance to acting, uh, I actually was pretty serious about acting, did some commercial work, film work, stuff like that. When I was a kid, stage work as well. Um, I've been performing my entire life. So that's, that has always been a part of me. Um, and even, you know, I played basketball my entire life too. So it's kind of funny, like people who met me after Cornell, while I was at Cornell, like, don't see me as like a an athlete person, and it just I have to laugh because I'm just like, if y'all knew, I was like that person to get like 500 shots a day type thing before before school, and like, so I guess after high school, I gave up the hoop dream. Uh, didn't want to play pro; I just wanted to, you know, play. I guess at college level, um, and so I've always, I think, wanted to just be in media in some sort of way. I've always wanted to be in entertainment. It's kind of just what I've been doing since I was so young. So I've always been fascinated, fascinated by it, fascinated, fascinated by <laughs> it. <laughs> and so um, my 
first experience, I think, when I went to Cornell, I studied industrial labor relations, which is, if you're the, the short term, is it's like the study of the world of work. And so we look at the world of work from about six different capacities, labor, economics, social statistics, and organizational psychology, whatever. Um, and so it's a really great program. It's a really interesting program. It had me thinking a lot about work. They had this program, which is like a credit internship where I could work as well as get credit. And I had the opportunity to work at NBC in LA. So I was in NBC in the West Coast. And that was like really, really fun, really amazing. And so I did that. And that showed me kind of like, you know, I'd had the experience being on set and kind of being, you know, the actor of the town, if you will. But then I got a more, if you will, corporate experience. And so that really solidified for me, like I want to do media for my nine to five. Um, and then, you know, of course, I have this music dream as well that I'm trying to get going. And so after graduating, I uh, was in a page program at NBC Universal. So I was working at NBC for a while. And then from there, I went to watch what happens live with Andy Cohen. Uh, I don't know if you're a Housewives fan at all there, but if I'm are, the only woman in the entire world who does not watch Housewives. No, that's fine. No, that's fine. There's more. <laughs> all of my friends, every time I go out with them, they're always talking about it. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I spent a good long time getting very familiar with the Housewives. So I've learned a lot about that, that whole <laughs> there, um, being on a show. And then uh, currently working um, in a, still a media capacity at a tech company. Um, we'll talk about it offline. But uh, yeah, so currently doing that. I've been having a good time. And also, I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm an artist. Check me out. Nick Early, stream my, my single circles. It's out now. I love that. Project Thank Lo you guys for the background. I feel like it's really funny because you guys sort of have similar backgrounds. And you both kind of had that dream when you were younger of being a professional athlete, you basketball, you baseball. And in the end, you guys came together and you're both working in really similar fields. It's really funny because I love to start off the podcast that way and ask guests what they wanted to do when they were growing up, because it's always different than what they're doing now. And I think yeah. that it's it's cool because your paths were similar and you crossed paths and now you guys are kind of doing the same thing, which yeah. I love. Yeah, it works out interesting that way. Like I've relied on a lot of the skills that I developed when I was a kid. I'm um, just kind of being on stage, being around sets and sort of like stuff like that. So I kind of formulated that way where I was like, I, I'm going to go crazy if my nine to five doesn't have anything to do with entertainment or creation or media or something like that. So yeah. I definitely was very strategic in realizing, you know, once I wanted to do that, that that was going to be the, the case too. Um, but yeah. I'm yeah. really curious. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say like a lot of people don't know. And it's, so Nick, Nick really talks about, you know, his, everything he's done as a kid. And like some things like I suppress, not because I'm not proud of them because like, I just don't think they're important. But like, I also acted when I was young, my mom had me trying out for commercials and, um, I sang in the church choir and all that, but it's wow. like those, yeah. Like those things I haven't necessarily used now. So I don't like I don't really like, not that I don't hold them as dear, but it's like my, my, my writing is really what drives my life. So that's really what I focus on and tell people about. But it's crazy. Like thinking about it, me and Nick really grew up similarly. And I think that's just, that's a yeah. testament to, to black moms is black moms will be like, yo, you're going to try this. You're going to try this. You're going to do this. I think yeah. you'd be good for this. And then you find what you love and we're going to put our all into putting you in that position. So very thankful for my mom pushing me to do things I probably wouldn't have tried myself. We both got Caribbean black moms, so that, Facts. that also, <laughs> yeah. that also helps. I love that. 
You know, having a podcast and writing are really similar because you get to really learn about your subjects and you get to tell their stories. So what is it about writing for you and also doing the podcast that you love so much that you connect with? Uh, I, I've just been a very social person my whole life, but not service level. Like I really like to get to know people, get to know people in depth. And as, as I've discovered in my writing, you know, like the more you really study an artist and get to know their personal lives and their, their career progression, the stronger the piece that you put out. So I really apply that to my writing. I apply to podcasting like Nick and I, we don't like to just discuss what what the timeline is discussing or what you know what the major headlines are we really like to go beneath the surface and that's just the type of person I am like like everyone who I'm close to everyone I consider close to me I can tell you you know like a lot of things about them and I think you know one thing that people feel like is lacking from journalism and media these days is that passion is that that desire to go beyond what you know is the main story or what's circulating or what's what's the trending topic like I really like to get to know the nooks and crannies and everything in and out and it's cool to be able to write about something it's cool to be able to talk audibly about some things with someone who I'm comfortable having a conversation uh, like that with and being responsible but also being opinionated and right. you know stating how we feel so um, it's just a very natural thing for me it's not something that I really have to think hard about I'm just like all right I, I want to write about this well, let me really get into the research. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like work and the, the same with podcasting. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I feel that because I also am the same way with my friends and I also love learning about people just at like a deeper level to understand their motives and their perspectives. And, you know, I can empathize with that. So I appreciate it. Um, so Nick, for, for people who don't know what a page is, can you elaborate a little bit? Because the entertainment industry is mm -hmm. a really interesting place, as I'm sure you know, and I feel like pages don't get enough credit, so. Well, funny enough, people who work in entertainment, you probably have met a page without even knowing it. Um, that's just kind of like the way, the way in which the program works. It's, it's if you will, people kind of look at it as like a badge of honor in the, in the community entertainment community is like, oh, you're a page, I was a page. Uh, so whatever it was, it, it's a, essentially a rotational program. It developed into a rotational program, but in its early inception, it was more so kind of like, a, you know, an opportunity, the pages come from, you know, the medieval time concept of a page being like an understudy to a knight or something like that, growing in whatever they wanted to do. Uh, so yeah, if you will, for a while, in the while, in, in the old days of pages were, you know, kind of running around doing, grabbing coffee, doing whatever they were doing. And then now it's sort of more very structured rotational program, which was when I joined it. Um, and I was able to rotate throughout different parts of, of NBC Universal. And uh, basically it creates you a network of people who are kind of going through the same similar circumstances. Well, you know, a lot of people are right out of college. Some aren't. Some people are just like trying to completely changed career fields but it was a great thing for me because I really got to understand like what it looks like to um to be on a to be working at a company that had so much of such a huge portfolio um, I didn't realize you know NBC is really in everything and I think people don't understand how much NBC is because they're kind of like a they're very present but like very mild mannered giant is the way I like to describe them. Like they are a giant in the media industry, but there's not always something crazy happening at NBC. <laughs> They're very good at that. <laughs> I just got to keep it right. They have a great PR department. Exactly. 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 Shout out to my friends working in corporate comm and all that PR. <laughs> 
but uh, yeah, it's it's an amazing program. I always recommend it to people who are like, I want to do media, but I'm like, not sure. I don't know what I want to do. I'm like, well, go rotate, go be a page and go understand like what it's like to try different things. It's really important to understand what you don't like as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So how did you guys come together and decide to do this podcast? <laughs> um, on, I mean, it, it really starts from our friendship. We, we, I met Nick freshman year of college. We were both in the same mentorship organization called SWAG at Cornell. Shout out to SWAG. Stands for Scholars Working Ambitiously to Graduate with the goal of increasing the Black graduation and retention rate for Black men at Cornell. So met him there. Like, we were cool. I wouldn't really say we were friends at that point. And then when we both developed interest in the same fraternity, we were put into this group chat where we would, you know, interact and learn about the fraternity and, you know, kind of do different things and meet different people. And just kind of, it was kind of like this, uh, it was like this, kind of like this, this group that came together to ultimately pursue membership in uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, our fraternity. So once we were really like locked in and it was determined, like, you know, we were candidates and we were eventually going to join Nick and I really got a lot closer that way I think being uh, being the same age because on our on our uh, our line of six people there were three sophomores three seniors so naturally the sophomores myself Nick and our, our line brother Sammy we kind of connected a lot more and then the older guys stuck together a little more because they were getting ready to graduate the semester later so Nick and I we just commu- uh, connected we would talk about a bunch of different things like he was a big music guy so it was very easy to talk about music and we kind of had very similar strong personalities like we really wanted to do big things within the fraternity and on campus and so I think that kind of naturally brought us together. And then once we joined the fraternity, we were like, yeah, we're going to hit the ground running. We're going to do this. We want to change this. We want to make it better. And I think our, our desire to make the fraternity better really kind of seeped into our desire to make the music industry better as Nick is an artist. And I'm a music journalist. So it was just kind of, it just kind of went hand in hand with each other. So we graduated. Nick was doing his thing work-wise, put out his EP. People loved it. Me, I was doing my thing writing-wise and um, I remember one conversation Nick and I had, it was probably like summer 2019. Um, we both got into listening to podcasts more and we kind of saw the podcast landscape and how it's it's really been bursting over the last few years. Like everyone has a podcast now. It's still growing. And yeah, yeah, it's still growing. It's still growing. But Nick was like, yo, man, you should start a podcast. And like, you write really well. But the reality is, unfortunately, a lot of people don't read writing as much as they should. And there are a lot of good writers like you who don't get the recognition that they deserve because they're only writing. And I was like, yeah, man, like, I feel that, but everyone has a podcast now. Like, I don't want to just start it and it just be this thing. Like, we're just talking music and surface, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, like, that's not you, though. Like, like the way you write, you really get in depth. You're really detailed. You analyze things. So just bring that to the podcast. Just talk about it rather than writing about it. And I would say Nick is one of the biggest people in my life who kind of puts that battery in my back and, like, encourages me to do things that he knows I'm capable of and things that I probably know deep down I'm capable of, but I kind of overthink too much and talk myself out of it. So uh, we planned it out. I decided on the name, Nick decided he brought his TV background, which I'm so thankful of, like having segments for the podcast being really organized. So it's something easy for people to follow. People can have different favorite segments rather than just us just getting up there and talking for three hours about, I like this. I dislike this. Yeah. This is trash. This is my top five. Like we don't need, we don't need another podcast doing that. There's yeah, so many other exactly. people who do that and, and, and they do it well and it's no disrespect to them, but we just wanted to be a different voice. And, you know, one thing I really emphasize in the work I do is being responsible not just slandering, not just being judgmental, but kind of looking at the factors that lead into why this artist delayed their album or why they picked this single over this single or why this feature didn't make the album. So 
Um, we really got our ideas solidified. We came up with our segments. We came up with the logo. We got people on our team to help us put, a, put out a promo video. And then uh, we launched December 2019. And um, it was the, the, the reception is still something that I think about a lot to this day. Like my friend mm-hmm. Regina Cho, she jokes how my, my Instagram story that day was two hours long because I had so <laughs> many posts to reshare because everyone was sharing us. Like they were like, yo, sh- check out Stay Busy with Armand Sab. They're like, Armand's doing this and then Nick's friends who saw he was doing a podcast they were like oh Nick is executive producing this like check it out and just yeah. you know, we got a lot of love from our friends and from people in the industry that we were able to connect with at this time and it's really opened the door for us to a lot more people in, in the music industry and I um, and even, even if we had our, we've had our difficulties because I'm sure you know Blair like running a podcast is not easy like being creative every single week is not easy it's very taxing and like we're also just even if we think similarly most of the time we're different people we see different things so we want to do different things but it's really opened the door to so many opportunities for him as an artist for me as a journalist and we're seeing the conversations that we have really impact people and the way they think about music so that's been the most gratifying thing for me and I I can't think of anyone else who I would be doing it with oh shucks (laughs) (laughs) shut up yeah I completely agree and and concur with Armand it's uh being doing a podcast is like the, the, the initial start of it was for me is, you know, being as kind of as we go back and forth, we bounce off each other so far as ideas, frustrations, whatever it is. Um, and so I realized I was fielding a lot of his, you know, like, dang, I, you know, I feel like I'm not getting a look. I'm not going to look for whatever articles or whatever it is. And I'm big on like empowering my friends to do what they, you know, can do to own something that they have. You know, I come from an entre- entrepreneurship family. My dad owned a business my entire life. And so, like, that's just always something I've seen. So I had that natural, innate just desire to encourage people to do that. And so when I was seeing him not get his look, I was like, dude, create your own opportunity. Let's do that. And, like, we came together and I was like, look, what we're not going to do is do a podcast that's just up, us up here chatting. And that's, like, so not us anyways. Like, we'll chat, yeah. but you should see our little debates. We'd be like, Bring the facts. <laughs> what facts do you have? <laughs> so I wanted to bring that to a podcast, but I also my idea, like when we came up with Stay Busy and it being like uh, work, you know, kind of themed, is that I wanted to just then basically do a for- short form podcast. That's why I, how it started, the idea, the inception of it was like short form. People can listen to it on a commute. Um, that way they can get through it. Because I found the reason why I wasn't listening to a lot of podcasts is because it felt like I was just, people were just chatting with no structure for hours on end. I'm like, that's an audio movie. I'm, I'm good. And so <laughs> I was like, let me bring something to the plate that's a little different. Um, like we said, we wanted to have our own unique voice in a, in a, in a music space. And so I think we made, a, a, we carved out a nice little niche because we also speak on the business side too. So we have a little segment yep. we call the half and half where I lead and we talk about the business and what's going on in the culture. We talk about, you know, this company doesn't deal with this company and what that could mean for artists and a lot of just, just general conversations and things. So uh, we're, we're always trying to find, you know, and figure out who our audience is and who we want to be out for but uh, it's, it's for people who want to have responsible discussions you know that sounds very you know cliche or simple oversimplified but it's when people who want to delve a little layer deeper you don't want to just want to talk about the song was good you want to talk about who produced it and how this person is like this is the third song in a row that they produced that's been great you mm-hmm. want to talk about the harmonies the vocals and i think that's what's really cool about the podcast too is that we have a very interesting perspective you have an artist I've been doing my music in my entire life. I can go in that sort of depth. And you have someone who's a very technical journalist who can explain that sort of element. Very much so a cultural commentator. I call him that myself. And my goal with this podcast, you know, uh, 
aside from it being a part of like a portfolio for myself as a producer, because I want to get into production of other podcasts and other things like that, um, I want to turn Armand into a star. And so this is what we're trying to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited for this podcast. Yeah, you guys seem like the ultimate dynamic duo. It's, <laughs> it's really funny because I feel like supporting your friends is something that is so important and not just you guys, but your community, your network supporting the things that you guys are putting out, like how you were saying your friend was making fun of you because your story was so long because you're just reposting everything. I think, you know, I just want to shout out all of the supportive friends because without them, things can't grow. And I think that it's important to keep people around you, especially when you're working in the music industry or, you know, in entertainment in general, you know, you have to keep good people around you that want to see you thrive and want to see you grow. And that's really like a big part of the battle because something that I've run into, especially in Miami, you know, it's a very, um, there isn't like an entertainment world out here. It's kind of all just Spanish music or like the record labels that are down here or the Spotify office that is down here. It's all Latin artists and Latin based. So for more general like hip hop, R&B and pop music, it's not, it's not something that's commonly found here. So I think that um, using social media is a really great tool for that. How do you guys focus on utilizing social media to grow your platform? Um, so for me personally, I, I love Twitter. I'll just, I'll say that. I've been on Twitter for Twitter like theme. 10 years. It's <laughs> opened so many doors for me, job opportunity wise. I've met some of my best friends through Twitter. I I met my girlfriend right now through Twitter. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's this. We need, we need to get you a sponsorship. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working on it. Like Twitter, forget match.com. Twitter is out here just connecting relationships. Don't, don't be afraid to shoot that DM. But, um, <laughs> but it's just this vast network of, of people and people have so many interests and people love to be opinionated on Twitter. And we're a very opinionated podcast. So one thing that Kieran, our VP, um, who do, has done an amazing job with our social media, he will take certain clips that we have where either Nick is given like a really spicy but responsible take or I'm being passionate <laughs> about Usher versus Chris Brown which people need to stop talking about and he'll like put it's that clip right. together put it out <laughs> yeah but like he'll kind of let the people he'll let the people see it and they'll respond to however they do and then you know if they like the clip enough they'll hopefully check out our, our episode and listen to the full discussion because like while we kind of do put out clips that are more attention grabbing and might be spicy or whatever like we want to bring people in to hear a more fleshed out well thought out discussion and that's like all we have like we don't we don't go too too rogue with the things we say like we always try to support opinions with facts or you know stuff like that so yeah it's kind of just connecting all the dots in our lives like nick has a very uh very supportive following on twitter i've noticed him. i have like thousands more followers than him but like his his following is really locked in with everything he's doing that's, so and it's no shade no shade i don't take it as shade because right i i'm one of those people that like i enjoy like looking at social media and i'm like yeah. consistently on social media. but yeah. like if you get to know me i'm kind of like i just don't care to like yeah. <laughs> put it out like post and do this stuff mm-hmm. like that which i'm trying to break obviously i'm trying to be an artist and whatnot right but uh I, i'm curious to say why did you say that you say they're more engaged than you think than <laughs> just, because, just talk about it talk about well, it talk about the, it the content that you put out and the content i put out is like you, you, you you're either talking about 
specific music stuff and you get very technical talking about vocal arrangements or production or this person's age and me I'll, I'll talk about music but then i'll talk about i'm drinking a white claw right now or i'm playing Call of Duty right now, or like, i'm like this so people people kind of know what they're coming to you for and 99 percent of the time you're saying something factual or accurate or that's thought-provoking that gets them to really open their mind up so i feel like people are really locked in with you and they kind of stay engaged like me i can go all over the place so like you know like if i'm tweeting about wrestling my, the wrestling community will support it but like my like food community might not support it as much or the people that i just talk about drinking with might not be as into the wrestling right. stuff as much so i feel like you have a very consistent set of content that you put out and people stick with it and me like you never know what you're going to get from me so like i'll have 100 likes here and then no likes here and then i'll go viral here and then i'll be like yo this is a viral good thing. Well, i don't i really don't i, I really don't i don't people What's say that the recipe to go viral the, I feel like the key is don't try too, too many people try too <laughs> yeah, hard to go viral. Yeah, yeah. I, I just That's put my true. thoughts out. Like if, if I see something, and I want something funny about it. I'll say something funny about it. And like, if it goes crazy, it goes crazy, but I'll probably end up muting it. Cause so I don't get the notifications harassing me. So I won't even see that it goes viral at a certain point. Cause I guess I've reached the point where it might happen more often than I've expected. It You're to just be. going like, viral I, so often. It's difficult. To not even, back. not even that often, but like, I, I really don't try. Like I just be sitting in my room. Like I'll, I'll take a break from an article, see a tweet. I'll quote it. I'll look back. I'm like, oh, wow, this kind of did its thing. But like, I'll mute it because I, I really don't want my battery getting drained from all these notifications. But the key is to not try. Don't try to go viral. Too many people steal tweets or they, they're trying yeah, too hard to be quirky exactly. or use the the, the, the the new popping phrase. Like, oh, he chose violence. Like, I, I hate that. Right. Like, too many people, <laughs> they try too hard. Like, the virality should be organic and natural. Yeah. And that's, that's what I go for, even if I don't aspire to be viral. It just... It happens that way. All right. <laughs> Since we mentioned verses, I have to know what your ultimate versus collab is. Mm. God. Nick, like one, go, like, a, like a hypothetical? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't have a like off top, like a hypothetical who I would ever want to like as the top. Oh my God. Mm. Yeah. You have to like, so I can choose one of the, my favorites that have occurred in real life. Yeah, do that one. Neil Jante is probably like my number one. Same. And then thereafter, um, I would say I really enjoyed the one last night. Like I was really mm. into it because I love moments where, and I guess this is what Armand was speaking to. I tweeted, I was talking about this, you know, I had a series of tweets that I guess that got attention, if you will. Like, did they go viral? <laughs> no, absolutely not. So they went baby like, viral. Just, baby viral is what I call it. <laughs> I'm just confused when he says that because I'm like, if 10 people like it, I'm just, oh, okay. There's You're like, yes, it went viral. Like, Let's go. Nah, I'm not even pressed. It's a good ratio. Because like, okay. right? when I tweet this stuff, I'm not thinking about the likes or the retweets, you know, as that, you know, crazy as the sound. I just don't care about that but i was talking about um i love how when we have you know it was, so it was isley brothers and earthman and fire for listeners who did not see it or didn't hear about it versus the battle sort of situation the content that they put out um i love when people get to see that some of their favorite songs are actually samples or actually covers and so with Earthman and fire and the isley brothers it's just riddled with stuff i mean between the sheets for the love of you from the isley brothers it just you know Big Papa to to uh, today was a good day. Um, just so many other songs I can think of. Drake sampled Devotion in mm -hmm. on uh, was it Scorpion, right? Yep. Or mm -hmm. you know, on Scorpion. So I mean, just and that's just two, three examples of 
hundreds, you know. And so I love to see that because I find myself, you know, I, I would say I'm a, a soul music aficionado. I, I He is. I'm a soul. I love that music. That's what I will listen to more than anything. Blair, if you come to the crib and I cook, it's like that playing in the background with some wine. Type Who's playing? It's it's Stevie. It's Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's Isley's. It's James Brown. It is Lionel Richie, the Commodores. It's like Temptations. It's all that, right? Um, so your course, dream yeah, versus was last night, basically. It wasn't a dream one. Like it, it was just amazing. <laughs> I I loved it. Like I said, I'm I'm for those. It's like I'm in the know on those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Like I know about that. This song is a sample. I know this song is a cover, and and so I love when that knowledge is shared with other people who I guess wouldn't have got it any other way um, and just never really engaged with the material that way um, because it, not everyone has to. I'm just, I like when that becomes like, you know, oh, I didn't know that this song was sample. Oh, I didn't know, blah, blah, blah. Like people know yeah. that, you you know, you make me want to shout. Like that song is the Isley Brothers. I don't think people know that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I uh, I listen to a lot of old old music. So I like, I'm, I'm very excited when it gets that that shine and gets that look. Um, in, in a more general sense, because everyone loves it. Leave the door open. That's a soul song, like very much so. You oh know. my God, that song was on repeat when it That's dropped. That's what I'm saying. Like, just, so it's like, that, just over and over. People yeah. don't realize how much they love soul music. And I think soul music is one of the genres that, if you will, that just is really not like getting the acknowledgement that it should from a general standpoint. Because there's people still doing soul music or music that has very, like, soulful elements. Uh, you see it a lot in House. You see it a lot like, K. Trinata. And that's what I think I love about, like, early hip-hop, like, 90s, 80s hip-hop, is that it's all dependent upon soul and all those samples because they're sampling that with putting breakbeats on it. And so yeah. it's really just, like, a, a, a remixed version of, of the stuff that I really grew up loving. So... It also doesn't help, you know. My dad is from Michigan, and so I, you know, he's like, you know, a Motown person. So like, the, my earliest music memories are like Temptations and all this stuff. So it's just what it is. Yeah. What do you think is the most challenging and the most rewarding part about becoming your own artist? Ooh. <laughs> challenging. Uh, challenging is a sliding scale because it depends on like what else is going on in your life and what you're doing because I always tell people like so for myself my example is that I'm a a artist I'm a musician I produce um, and I write so I engineer my I make the beats I write the lyrics I do I record and draft the process right Wow. and then when it comes to that's the music stuff and then I work full time and I do that and then I also have to be a human. I have to do laundry and wash dishes and, and do other things like that. And I think that that's, for me, has been, as of late, been the most challenging is managing my time uh, and, and just making the most of every moment as I'm trying to move closer to what I want to do. And then I would say the most rewarding thing is, is, like, honestly, like, so, for example, I can speak to a shout out my guy, Stan. Uh, Stan Gasson Jr., that's my guy. Uh, he... My dad is a musician also, so he, he sometimes he would play at the Santa Monica Pier. And he would play my, like, unreleased material just out in the way he's setting up. And some of the most rewarding things is when people, like, have come up to him and said, who is this artist, like, blah, blah, blah. And I then developed relationships from them because they followed me and then we've been able to speak. And so that's my guy, Stan. I, I, that's someone I've developed a relationship with. 
um, from him hearing my music out in public. And so it's those moments that kind of help you remind you, like, why you're doing it. And uh, I guess I haven't had the moment where people are like, you know, your music changed my life or, or things like that. But <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that is what it is. But it's those moments of grace where people acknowledge your, your uh, work and acknowledge the effort that you put into your work. And uh, I used to kind of, like, think it was a backhand compliment. People like, oh, you have such an old-school sound. I have such a you know, old soul. And, and I think that was because I hadn't fully hashed out and developed the way in which I wanted to deliver it. So I think it was still in its early inception. I was like, this is just what I create naturally. I don't know how to, you know, be newer or be younger. And which kind of leads into the main thing that I've realized, and we've talked about a lot on the podcast and other things, is that your friends are not your audience. And I'm sure you realize that too, Blair, is that your friends are not your audience. Yeah, your friends may throw you a retweet, may throw you a stream just off the strength because they like you. But they're not going to be the ones that you can, you know, cultivate and build, you know, uh, living off of their attention. So it's, it's, that is also challenging sometimes. And realizing that that leads into family too, because that, you know, so it's, it's just deep. But yeah, the most, the most challenging as of now for me has been like managing my time, given that I do everything. Um, and then in another light, I think the most rewarding things have been those small moments where I've like, I've turned, I've had a show and then I turn my mic to the crowd during the chorus and they sing the chorus back. And like a really rewarding moment for me is like, I went back to um, Cornell and performed like two years after I graduated and I had already had a project out and I performed one of the songs and people sang the whole second verse in the auditorium. And that for me is as like, you really, when you sing a song and you sing the second verse, that means you really know the song. Mm-hmm. And it was the, pretty much everyone singing it. I was just like, whoa, it was a moment for me. Uh, because I don't think of, you know, I'm not so, I don't think so highly of myself that I'm going to think that people who know me are going to listen or ain't going to learn my music or whatever. Um, and so it, it's, it's been uh, those, those moments for me that have been challenging, but rewarding and exciting. One thing that I can relate really hard on is having a nine to five and then also trying to manage your time. Yeah balancing side projects. You know, I do this podcast all by myself too. I schedule everything. I record, I shoot the content. Like it's a one woman show and having a demanding job also on top of that, where I'm not really in a set nine to five, like I work nine until whenever I get what I need to get done. I feel, I feel that a hundred percent. And I think a lot of the Blairless listeners also feel that because I get a lot of feedback from them saying that it's good to know that they're not the only ones doing that because a lot of times when you're putting so much effort and time and your resources and creativity into something and, you know, we're a very impatient generation. We don't like to actually wait for things, you know, for the flowers to grow once you plant the seed. So it's, it's so interesting that um, we all collectively feel that way because it can be difficult to see the growth until, you know, something actually major happens. And then you're like, wow, you look back and you're like, wow, actually, like I did come pretty far. I actually, um, I made it to a place that I had always wanted to make it to. And I think that it's important to, to embrace those small moments, like someone singing lyrics back to you, having those moments that really show you that the growth is happening. And just because you can't feel it immediately doesn't mean that it's not there. Right, right, right. How do you personally manage? Sorry, I'm I'm interviewing you now. No, <laughs> How do you no, personally no, no, no. manage your expectations versus reality? 
Like how? Oh my god! As, as a yeah, as specifically to your podcast, I'm saying like, how have you managed? Yeah. You know, from when you started it to where you are now. I don't know how far in you are, but like, how have you managed that sort of dynamic? It's been really difficult. I can't lie. I have a really demanding job. You know, I I manage social media and digital marketing globally for Grey Goose, which is owned by Bacardi. And social media and digital marketing are 24 seven jobs. It's not something that you just can like turn off at the end of the night. There's always a crisis happening. There's always an influencer reposting something that the world has to stop for. So I think that as time has gone on, like I'd be lying if I said that I had a work-life balance. I don't. I think especially with quarantine and COVID, like being in my apartment so much by myself, it's it's kind of difficult. Your your work life yeah. and your home life kind of like blends together and you don't really yeah. have that separation because I'm not physically going to my office anymore. So I think that um, I started recording at a studio in Wynwood, which is like the arts district in Miami. Mm-hmm. And that's been really cool for me because I've been able to not only make the podcast sound better and make it like a little more professional and grow it a little bit from that front. It's also a way to motivate me to book a session, get it on the calendar, make sure I have all my ducks in a row, make sure that I have a few podcasts coming up so I'm not waiting to the last minute because things always happen. Um, It's also a really cool community. It's called HGAB Studios and you get like a membership there and everywhere you look, it's photographers, artists, models, podcasters. Like I've met so many amazing people that I would love to have as a guest on my podcast too. So I think that um, it, it goes back to what I was saying. I felt like, oh my God, I started this podcast. I thought that, you know, it would blow up and like, it would be great. And then as time went on, I'm like, okay, like you have to have patience. Good things take time. You have to focus on it. You have to figure out where you want to go with it because it was something that was just like a passion project for me. Like Armand, I, I love learning about people, telling their stories, like digging deep and figuring out the motives of why they do things. It's it's very like, you know, about human psychology and and mm-hmm. figuring out why people do the way do the things that they do. And I think that um having that studio space has really helped me like find an excuse to get out of my apartment also. And um, it's forced me to do things like adapting to times, like having a Zoom podcast, never thought that was possible before this past (laughs) year. So, you know, you you kind of like, it shows how adaptable you can be in situations where you have limited resources. Yeah, 100%. That's true. That's very true. But yeah, I feel that 100%. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny, like, everyone, especially during COVID, I feel like everyone is so in their own head about everything that they're doing because we're, we're all home all the time and we don't have like, you know, so many people around us to ask ideas. So I love that you guys are on the podcast together and you can really like bounce ideas off of each other. I think that it's super important. And I think that even if you're someone working on a passion project by yourself, having at least you know, someone that you can bounce ideas off of and be like, hey, what do you think of this? And sometimes we just need that little push, like how Nick was pushing you, telling you you're an amazing writer, but like create a podcast, do something. And I think that um, it puts you in a situation where you tend to believe in yourself and rely on yourself a lot more. And I think it, it builds confidence, which translates over into so many other 
areas. 100%. And you got to take risks too. Like doing this was a risk. Like just like being an artist is a risk. Like just like writing is a risk. Like you're putting yourself out there. Like Nick might put a song on SoundCloud and think it's a heater and only get like a hundred plays. It's like, Oh damn. Like I, I thought this was fire. Like, so I got to regroup and figure out what to do better. Or, you know, me pitching to certain publications, getting rejected. Like that's, that's a courageous act, like doing work and then giving it to someone else for them to decide like, this is good. This is not like, it's very courageous and rejection. A lot of people don't take rejection. Well, I've, I've, I love it at this point because it just gets me in my bag to, you know, let me know how to improve. Like I don't get rejected as much as I used to, you know, back in the day. So I know I'm doing things better, but you, you need that person who helps you to get out of those ruts where you're overthinking too much or thinking, Oh, this isn't worth it. Like, why would I do this? Like everyone really could use a person like that. So yeah. I agree. And I I think a big theme on the podcast also is that rejection is just a redirection of where you're supposed to actually go. Mm -hmm. That's really like been my tonight. (laughs) (laughs) It's been like my mantra lately because I just feel like so many things have been happening at once in my life. And I'm like, okay, you're not getting rejected from anything. It's really just not meant for you. And I think that something that's difficult for people to understand is that what you want isn't necessarily what's best for you. Boom. Boom. Wow. She preaching. Uh, <laughs> reverend, Reverend, the Reverend. <laughs> it's it's so true though. When you think about it, like there's so many things that I've wanted in my life that I'm like, I'm doing this. It's the end, like gung ho, full throttle. And then in the end, it doesn't work out and you beat yourself up. You're, you start thinking like, what's wrong with me? Like, what did I do wrong? But in reality, it's just redirecting you on the path of your highest potential. And so I always try to tell myself that when I'm like in a rut. Yeah, no, I, I definitely do that too. And I mean, it's, I would say on the, on an artist front, that can be a challenge too. Cause it's like, I've been working on this music for months. So I'm like, I, I really, I really hope people like this. You know? <laughs> Cause it's like, you, you, you put, you put a piece of yourself into it. Right. Yep. And I think you're exhausting whatever resources you have especially the human ones emotions resources financially like all the things that you work for and so when you have your dream and i think it's also twofold i think there's people who um kind of see rejection or redirection and and kind of get deterred off the path mm-hmm. whereas i think it's sometimes we need to be just honest with ourselves and say like this is just feedback as much as it hurts as it doesn't like you know this maybe there's like there's feedback I got from my first project that I had brought into my second single and now I brought into this third project this this next project that I'm like I'm going to develop off that and so it wasn't necessarily rejection or redirection I've gotten told many no's about like you know featuring my music on platforms or having me perform whatever it is and so I know that sometimes it's like there is sometimes there's merit to things and I, I am always very much so like looking at things try to look at from above you know, if I wasn't in it, take myself out of the situation and say, if I was observing that, would I see that as hate? Because some people just behave. It's, it's Facts. <laughs> or, is it some, or is it someone who just, like, it just, you know, has no feeling towards and says, no, I don't like it. And then that's that. That's taste. That's a matter of taste. And then mm-hmm. there's like, no, I don't like it because X, Y, and Z. And you can change X, Y, and Z. You have a, you know, so I, I think of it kind of in that threefold manner. And, you know, hate is hate. It is what it is. Not for everyone. That's, I think, you know, like that wasn't for me, a thing. Or if it's, you know, a, a thing that I can get better at, then yeah, let me head back to the drawing board. But 
I think, you know, when you're driven about something and think, you know, and you know that you know that you know that this is where you're going to end up, whether it's the exact thing or somewhere in this field, um, I think it's it's important to keep going and follow that instinct as well, even through the face of rejection and redirection. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think also sometimes it's really a test to see how badly you want it. Mm hmm. That's another thing. That is yep. another thing. Do you want it? <laughs> do you want like it? how badly you say you want it, but actually how badly do you want it? Because mm -hmm. you get something and then you get a distraction to see yeah. which way you're going to go. And if you go the way that you think you're going to go, then that just goes to show that you actually really do want it deep down inside. No, I mean, people, Nipsey, shout out to Nipsey Hussle, who's here in the red on, on this painting. Um, he has this one, you know, he's an interview. He said, yeah, I'm not going to, he's like, I'm not going to pretend like I had the ultimate poise. Like I just knew I was always popping and doing whatever I was doing. He said, I just, the difference between me and a lot of other people is that I didn't quit. Took him yeah. around 11 years. Like, yeah, he had grown to like some sort of level of regional status, like I'm from the West Coast. So we, we, we were rocking with it for a long time. But in the more national light, yeah, it took him some time to kind of build that and grow that. But the difference between him and others is that he just didn't quit. And, you know, it got to a point where he was, you know, doing his thing, Grammy nominated and whatnot. And, um, but it, it's just how bad do you want it, I think. Yeah. I, I went through every emotion. I never gave up. That's one of my favorite Nipsey quotes, because you, you have to. Like Nick said, we put a lot of ourselves into what we do. Like, I think if anyone who reads my writing or hears me on the podcast, like passion is something I talk about a lot. And I think it's something that you can feel from what I do. And passion leads to unfortunate moments where you feel like, damn, like, am, am I not good enough? And then at least to moments where you feel bigger than you really are. Like I can say 2020 was a huge year for me. And I think while I had a lot of great moments, I might've gotten a little too full of myself and I had to be brought down back down to reality, but feeling those triumphant moments and then feeling like I was missing them. It's like, all right, what do I got to do to get back there? And like, I, I know the path that I'm on and what the path I want to be on. It's like, well, I know I need to do to do it. So if this is something that I can just easily give up on, it's clearly not what I really want. So you really got to go through every emotion, embrace every emotion, and remember the moments where you feel like you're you're missing something and what kind of clicked in you to then, you know, start it up and get back on the right path and get back to those triumphs because, you know, the highs and the lows are going to come. Like, they're never going to end. Like, even the, the biggest podcasters, artists in the world, athletes, they feel their highs, they feel their lows, but they got to keep doing what they're doing. So that's what we're doing, too. Nothing worth having comes easy. That's Boom. a fact. Because everyone would be Boom. doing it. Yep. Exactly. Is there a mantra that you guys live by that maybe when you're going through these difficult situations that you kind of just keep telling yourself to stick with it? I can't, I can't think of one quote in particular. I mean, I, I read the Bible every day at this point. I really got back to that, which I'm thankful for because it really helps ground me. Um, th there was one quote I lived by for a while called be bold, mighty forces will come to your aid. Um, that mm -hmm. was my, one of my favorite quotes in high school. And it's what led me to apply to Cornell. And when I got in, I was like, all right, I mean, it's going to be a financial burden for my parents, but Hey, I got in, so let me see what I can do there. And then I went there and like, in, in my most humble perspective, I feel like I took over the campus. So I was just like, you know, if, if, if I can go, 
If I can those, go and do that. Those viral on Twitter once. Oh my God. Right. Here, we go. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. But um, you, you really got to be bold. Like no one's going to be bold for you. No one's going to apply to that job for you. No one's going to send that DM for you. No one is going to write that article for you. No one's going to spend nights till 3 a.m. in the studio for you. Like you have to do that for yourself and have that belief in yourself. And even if you fail, use that failure as a learning opportunity. So bold, bold is one way that I would describe myself to people like passionate is one. And then bold is my second one. Like in everything in my life that I do, I'm, I'm very bold with it. And it, it hasn't failed me yet. And if it has, like, it's something that I haven't like felt that down about where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to stop being bold. Like, absolutely not. Like, I'm, I'm going to be bold forever. Um, but there's, there's a lot of different quotes that that kind of either read or repeat to myself in moments. I can't think of all of them now because I'm, I'm like a, I wouldn't say I'm one of those people who like lives by those quotes, but like, like I don't know, just like in, in moments where something is like timely or relevant, like it hits my head and I'm like, all right, let me, let me remind myself of this thing and let me keep going. Uh, for myself, I guess I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to share one of my favorite verses that I, that I kind of read. I don't read it often, but it's one of my favorites. Um, but one of my favorite quotes was uh, from this man named George Washington Carver, the inventor, the, the amazing, uh, you know, inventor, our agriculturist thinker. He has this quote that it's from actually funny enough. The first time I heard it was from the first band that I was ever in when I was in high school. So shout out to the guys. Uh, what was Uncommon. the band name? So the, yeah. It was called Uncommon Way. Uncommon, Uncommon Way. It was Way. like jazz okay. fusion. We did like R&B, rock, jazz. Uh, it was a very great band. I love that band. I miss it. Um, and so the quote goes, when you, do uncommon, when you can do common things in an uncommon way, you'll command the attention of the world. And so I think about that a lot. That's like my favorite quote ever. And I think it'll always be my favorite quote because the only difference between, I think, you know, you and the people you look up to is that they executed and that they went for it and that they put themselves out there, you know? And that's the difference. Um, when you think about, I, look, I think about some of my weaknesses I've been reflecting on myself is just bet, just trying to be better at executing. And I'm a real idealistic person. I can come up with an idea. I can bring some creativity to the plate, but... I'm trying to be better about the execution element to it. And so that's been uh, really great for me. And then I'm going to go, I want to read it. Hold on. I didn't, I, I, sh- I would have had it on point. Mark, the, yeah, we got to catch you off guard, you know? Right. It's okay. I like it. Um, <laughs> oh, they got, they got videos on this app. Yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on Mark 1124. Uh, go ahead, Armand. Oh, no, I was, I was just saying, like, I, I watch videos of people preaching every day. It's pretty cool on, on the Bible app. I don't know if you're on the Bible app right now, but, yeah. I am. So the, the verse goes, for this reason, I am telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance to God's will, believe with confidence and trust that you have received them and they will be given to you. So when it comes to, you know, thinking about this, like, uphill battle and feeling every emotion is that, like, the things, if I ask for it, it's going to happen for me. And people talk about you know a lot outside of a spiritual context talk about the power of manifestation which i think is a spiritual thing regardless of what you say it's like you have what you say if you say you're broke you're broke <laughs> i you know what i'm saying like you have what you say and so i very much will watch what i say and what i ingest and how i what i let out in in relation to my my goals my aspirations and things like that and so i you know when i pray for these things i have to put 
the sort of works behind it. Another one is faith without works is dead. If you don't put, you have, you're going to have faith and believe that something will happen. But if you don't put in the work, it's a dead issue. So I think about that one a lot as well. So I just have thousands and thousands of little phrases and things that come up to mind. But those are the main ones for me that I really think about a lot. What about you, Blair? <laughs> I have a lot also, <laughs> but I think the one lately for my life has been that it's not a, re- a rejection, it's a redirection. That's that, really, that's really that. just, it really stuck with me. And I, I totally, I don't remember, maybe, maybe like on Instagram or something. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember exactly the source, but it's been like very prevalent in my life. And I feel like also my friends, like they'll call me and tell me situations that they're going through. And that's just been like the theme lately. And I think that, you know, I'm also very big on manifestation. I read the power of now when I was Mm -hmm. 18 and it changed my life forever. And then I got into the secret and, you know, I'm very big into like reading affirmations in the morning. I have this thing. I've mentioned it like a thousand times on the podcast about um, the five minute journal, which I don't know if you guys know what that I've is. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah, I've heard so of it. So I, I, I'm trying to be more consistent with it, but at one point I was doing it every single morning and it really emphasizes the importance of like the first hour of your day really sets the tone for the rest of your day. And like when I don't do it in the morning, it totally messes me up. And I feel like very off and anxious and I need to have sort of like that grounding moment in the morning where I'm not looking at my phone and I'm able to write down the things that I'm grateful for, you know, have positive affirmations that I read out loud. And after doing it for like a week or two, I totally felt the shift. I felt like naturally more positive and I felt more grateful for the little things. And, you know, I made a point not to go on social media until like 11 AM. So I have time to go through my emails and I'm not like so distracted with Instagram. And I think that, you know, having that balance is so important. And I think one of my goals for the year is really just trying to have a better morning routine. So I highly agree with that. I've been fighting for that myself. And really yeah. for me, it starts with the night going to bed at a decent time. Oh my God. Tell me about it. I went to bed at like 1 a.m. last night and I'm sitting there like, why? Like, what is why? so important it's on Netflix? Like why? Yeah. It's like, yeah, what like, are you doing here? What am I doing? I'm doing nothing. And I could have had like two more hours of sleep. So I, I think, you know, something that we also talk about on the podcast a lot is the importance of morning routines. And I think that like we were just saying, it's so important to have that one consistent thing, especially now during the pandemic. It's like the one stable thing in your life that you can really attach to. And I know a lot of people who have gotten into exercising or meditating or, you know, even just going for a walk, like whatever that thing is for you, I think that it's important to identify it so that you know that your day is going to go a certain way in the morning, at least. Mm-hmm. And you're able to sort of be a little bit more positive, more open-minded. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't like making decisions, even small decisions based off of like insecurity. I yeah. like to come from a place of confidence and knowing that I'm like making the right decision because of X, Y, and Z. So mm-hmm. do you guys have a morning routine that you try to stick with or are you working yeah. on it? 
Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Uh, wake up first thing I do: open the Bible app, read the verse of the day, then click on. They they have these stories that they do. So there's like they'll show the verse, they'll give you like a little breakdown of it, and then there's like a a, a preacher who's talking for like, like two to three minutes about the verse, analyzing it, and they'll have like another discussion. Then they'll have like ask you a question that you have to answer, and then there's like another breakdown. But it's just cool. Like it's not time consuming, and it's usually everything that I need to see in that moment. Um, and then from there, I'll do my morning hygiene stuff, you know, brush teeth, wash face, all that <laughs> stuff. Take my morning pills. Yo, as you get older, you start taking so many more pills. Like, I'm, you I'm don't want to see my kitchen right now. My friend came into my, into my apartment. She's like, are you okay? I was like, yes, I'm just getting older. Yes, like vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, biotin. All, fish oil. All yeah, fish oil is key. Fish oil is key. key. Like, I, I get sick like once a year now because I take the fish oil. Shout out to the fish oil. Fish oil. Where are your family from, Blair? How do you know about fish oil? <laughs> I'm Italian and Greek. Okay. There it is. Okay. We know all the oil. Fish. Fish <laughs> and oil. Exactly. Fish and oil. Both. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and like I'm I'm more of a morning workout guy now. My gym actually closed down the one I was going to, and there's no 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 other ones that are really close enough to me. So I'm getting back into the the running. I actually have a 25 mile challenge this month that I'm trying to do. Just run 25 miles. Uh, no, 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 not in one, not in one. <laughs> like, like just run 25 miles. For the miles whole month. The okay. Yeah. I was concerned I was, for a second. You're right. No, absolutely not. But like, I've, I've been pretty good about running for like over the last year. So I'm trying to really get back into that more consistently. And then from there, which puts me at like maybe like 9 a.m., 10 a.m., depending when I wake up, like that's when I get to my emails and start writing, listening to podcasts. I draw inspiration from everywhere being a, a music and sports wrestling writer. So uh, there's like really no kind of there's no one day for me. But having that morning routine set to set my foundation for the day is key. So prayer, Bible reading, pills hygiene, fitness, and then tackle everything else after that. So for me, I, I've had, so in the, in the beginning of the pandemic, I was on it. Like I was up at a certain time every day. I would plan out my uh, day, my plan out my week really um, on Sunday nights. And then have the time breakdowns from like six, 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 seven a.m. to 6 p.m. I would have it broken down. And I was getting more done than I ever had. Like March and April were lit. We were like, this only this is only gonna last a month. Like we might as well go hard. April comes around and we're like getting up 30 minutes before our meeting. Right, right. Like I was just very consistent. Like I was putting a lot of like content on this app called Voicey. I was just doing a lot of content and like I don't know. I was just on I was in a in a rhythm. And I think what's challenging, I'm sure Blair, you might be able to speak towards this and why we kind of have to probably relegate it to the morning is that when you have a nine to five, we have other things pulling on your time. It's very challenging to set, uh, you know, this is what I do from eight to eight, you know? Um, and so for me, I think, yeah, it's been more the morning stuff. So in mornings, I, I have some prayers and, and affirmations that I say myself. And then I have been being back on my workout a routine uh, pretty heavily since the beginning of the year. So I'm a morning workout person. I don't like working out in the evening. It's kind of whatever. Same. Um, yeah, yeah. If I do, it's like I want to play basketball or something like that. I don't want to like actually be working out. And so I've been yeah outside. I like today. I ran from my apartment. I live in Harlem, so I was in an apartment. I ran from apartment to the Riverbank Park on the, by the water on the west side. 
and just and walked back. And so like did things like that just to maintain. I was reading this thing or watching this video about like billionaire mindsets and habits and all this stuff like that. And so one of the main things that he was talking about that I've tried to implement very much so when he's speaking about morning routines is yes, you're gonna you're a human, so you're gonna fall off the routine, but the goal is to try to not fall off two days in a row. So if you take a day, if you want to work out five days in a week and you, you know, want to do your thing, try not to go two days in a row without working out if that's your goal or whatever your goal is. Right. Um, and so for a while I was journaling and that was like a big thing for me at night. I was journaling and I've fallen off that. Like it's been weeks, like I'll be honest. Um, so I'm trying to get back on that. And then, you know, building the habit is really the challenge. But once you're in the habit, it's, it's pretty much good money. It's just maintaining it and not falling off. So. Yeah, I've I've been enjoying the 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 prayers in the morning and the workout, and then from there I just kind of like it's like the best way to start your day, especially mm-hmm. with Honestly. getting a good workout in in the morning. It really like sort of releases anxiety that you may not even feel that you have. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like yeah. like stored deep down, and then all of a sudden you feel you know you have your endorphins going, you feel like motivated. You did something yeah, in the yeah. morning, of you were course. consistent. It's like all of these little habits really build up to your life and like your perspective on life. So I'm huge on like morning routines and I really need to be more consistent with it, but I, I just feel like they're so important. And I love that rule of, of like not falling off more than one day. Yeah. It's, it's, if you think about it, it's kind of interesting, like try not to do it and then you'll do it. You'll stay on. Um, and I've been trying to be more actionable about writing down goals and then sort of working backwards to like, how are these goals going to get executed? Uh, and so that's, I'm just trying to be a better organized person. Like I, like I said, I can, I, I'm very idealistic. I will come up with the ideas. I have the whole plan in my head, but no can, no one can help you. Another quote that I live out, write it down. It's like, I think it's Habakkuk 2, 2 or 4, 2. It's like, write it down and make it plain so that all men may know. So it's like, if you have a plan or you have an idea of you write it, there's a lot of science behind writing something down and like what it does to the subconscious and like getting things out. And then like your your body then takes over with the action subconsciously. It's really interesting. Um, and Love so that. I think about that a lot. And so when it comes to my goals, like how can I write them down, make them plain so that other people can help me? If I have a goal written down and I can show Armand and then boom, he can help me or whatever, or whatever it is, you know, things like that are very important. So things that I've written down have come to pass. So I'm going to, I need to get back on that. I'm huge on writing things down. Like every, I try to do it every month, but especially before the year starts, I write down every single goal that I can think of. And I'll look back midway through the year as the year is ending and seeing where I'm ending up. But the craziest thing was that last year when I did that, my goals are very different, obviously. I, New Year's came around and I was like, oh my God, I wasn't specific enough. I was like, be healthy. What does that mean? That's like, real. That's real. What did be you specific. Did you drink like, did you drink be like specific. a glass of water yeah. or did you go work out? So I, I think like being specific is so important with your goals, whether it's super small or it's a major goal that you have. So yeah, you got to be as detailed as possible for that to happen. You got to. Yeah. Make it as That's easy so for yourself win. as possible. For sure. Take thinking out of it. That's another thing. <laughs> Take the thinking out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, how do you do that (laughs) for me take the thinking out of it is just about like 
I'm always big on like thanking past Nick for future Nick's problems, like <laughs> whatever I do. Because like when I think about just like when I uh, want to pack something or preparing for something, like for example, I've had some uh, some content, like some photo shoots and some video shoots recently. And so when I'm, because I'm doing everything, I wrote the video treatment, I wrote the everything. I'm like, take the thinking out of this, the little stuff. Because you're going to be mad if you get to the photo shoot and you don't have your belt. <laughs> like, right. So it's stuff like that. It's just trying to be prepared and ahead because I've had a plan. Okay, now take this little extra effort instead of packing in the morning while you're trying to go. Just put the stuff together right now. Go through your checklist when you have time, and then, then you know, move forward. And so then now in the morning, I'm grabbing the bag. I'm taking the thinking out of what do I need to do. I'm just boom. So it's just about preparation. Prior proper planning prevents physical. <laughs> Wait, say that again. I have a thousand. Like they'll just start now that you said it. They're just coming out. They're just gonna prior, come out. Prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance wow see yeah seven p's (laughs) (laughs) do you have any resources for people who are interested in starting a podcast or you know becoming an artist are there any apps or websites or forums that you wish that you had access to beforehand that you do now um i can't really I personally can't think of any like resources that have helped us in terms of like structuring the podcast or getting more of a following. Like we, cause I think a lot of podcasts just kind of come from, Oh, I have this idea. I feel passionate about enough that I want to talk about it. And there's probably some niche of the internet or the community that I'm in that's going to enjoy it. And then it kind of builds out from there. Like uh, Nick, he's invited me to like a lot of like, a lot of clubhouse rooms that talk about building your brand and improving your podcast and stuff. But I really think for us, it's just been a lot of trial and error. Um, and again, with Nick bringing his TV background with me being a content creator within journalism, like I know what gets people's attention. I know what people want to talk about. I know what people don't like talking about or how they like talking about it. And so we really just try to combine our wealth of knowledge into making the podcast the best that it could be. But um, something that, uh, I interviewed this podcast back in, uh, July, 2019, shout out to Eric and Jeff of it, 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 it's the real. And they told me, cause I told them I was interested in starting a podcast. They're like, just do it. Like literally just do it. If, if you care enough about it, you'll put the energy and the effort into it. And like, yeah, you're going to mess up, but literally just do it. It's going to reach who it needs to reach. And then from there, you kind of know what you need to do to keep reaching those people and then expand it out. Um, cause what you think might hit for a certain audience may not hit for them. And then you got to come back and regroup. Yeah. So I think for us, it's just been a lot of trial and error. Um, but it's been maintaining the faith in ourselves. And, um, at the end of the day, like this is driven by passion. It's not driven by the desire to make money. I would like to make money off of it. It's not driven by the desire to meet people or get verified checks. We do this because we love it. And our love for this, it hasn't gone away. So like the podcast is going to exist as long as our love for it exists and it manifests in this way. Or, you know, ultimately when Nick is a platinum selling artist or Grammy recording artist, he might not have time for it. And I'll be completely okay with that because he's busy putting people on or, you know, when I'm owning a publication or I'm on a TV show, it's like, well, you know, but we'll use that to lift, stay busy up as well. But um, yeah, like you kind of just, it's very easy to look at the big picture and feel like you're failing because you haven't hit that big picture yet. But one of my football coaches in high school told me greatness is a bunch of small, good things put together into one great thing. And so you just have to keep mm. doing those small steps, setting small benchmarks and milestones for yourself. Like Nick and I hit 10 K plays on stay busy back in like October, November of 2020. 
major a highlight for us is like, all right, well, how are we going to get to this hundred thousand? What we do, do we have to do content wise or social media wise? And so yeah. just having those conversations with yourself consistently reevaluating rather than resting on your laurels and thinking that you're already the best that you can be. Cause there's always room to improve. So just don't be afraid to have those honest conversations with yourself and hold yourself accountable, but be confident in what you're doing. Be excited about it. Know that you're doing something great and just, Focus on every week, making it the best episode that it can be rather than looking at, damn, like this podcast hit a hundred episodes. They got a million plays. Like, you know, that's not you, that's not your path and that's okay. But like your path is meant for you and you're going to succeed in being authentic to yourself and doing what you need to do for yourself. Comparison is the thief of joy. Yep. Bingo. Yep. Comparison is the thief of joy. Like for real, for real. Um, And I found freedom in not comparing myself to, to others and sort of the expectations thing. But I would say the main thing that I've kind of gathered is two things. It's like, one, always be learning. Always be learning. Before we got on here, I was on a... Uh, Spotify does these collab sessions. Shout out Spotify for doing that. They do these, like, sessions where they have, like, a, a speaker come through and talk about something related for artists. Like, so the, the lady was talking about, like, growing your fan develop, like fan development. She was talking about how to grow your fans at different stages of fans, different types, and how to identify them, different things like that before we got on this conversation. Um, and so that's something that I take pride in is truly, really trying to understand the business because that's where rubber meets the road. Yeah, we can have so much fun in the studio creating and doing whatever, and that's the easy part. But where rubber meets the road, where you get paid, where you create a life, you know, lifestyle that you want to have from it and leave the nine to five and whatnot is by understanding the business of what you're doing and um, being able to, you know, sell your, sell your, your, your brand and your, uh, your passion as well, because people see that and that can be enticing to others. And so I find myself always trying to learn. And then the second thing, which as a recovering perfectionist, and it's been mm-hmm. a long time, uh, is do, just do it. Even if it's not how you see it in your head, just do it and put it out there. And there's so many case studies I can think of of people who were just doing and over time, you just, you're not going to get worse by continuing to do, you know, if you're always learning, you're not going to get worse by can, if you continue to do stuff and apply the knowledge. So I can think of like Russ as a great example of an artist. For those who don't know, Russ is an artist who had released uh, 11 albums or 11 to 12 albums independently. And uh, basically it got to a situation over four years was like, I'm, so I'm doing the same thing, expecting different results. What is the problem here? And then decided and came up with, after visualizing the strategy on SoundCloud, oh, people are down to listen to one song. Let me do one song a week for a year and let me prepare myself. Let me take the thinking out of it. And he had music prepared for the first half of the year and then released. And by like, I think the sixth to eighth week or something like that, he was on. He had had a hit. And then boom, he had the album prepared. Boom, dropped the album on their heads. Boom, there it was. And so he rolled from there. And so now he's a huge proponent of like the independent artists moving and other people understanding of the business side of streaming and distribution, owning your masters or whatnot. So YouTube University is my main thing. I go to YouTube University if I want to learn something. And I also am not afraid to call somebody or ask questions or like, also I do this thing where like have mentors who maybe understand 
the ideas or the principle of something and then I try to explain the music context to it and so like how would you look at this if it was a business or this and the third and that's been I've been uh, having some mentors help me with that as I'm trying to like piece together my portfolio if you will um in developing my streams of income and what I offer and monetizing my my my, my passions and my interests and whatnot and so um yeah it, it I I'd say it has to be an eight that's the main thing. So when we come about resources, like this is not for everybody, you know, it's not for everybody that, as you know, Blair, like that's what you sitting there, you're like, as you know, like it's not for everybody to yeah. sit here and kind of, you know, blend your life. We're, I don't know when you're releasing this, but for, you know what time it is right now. And we're doing this, like you're passionate. I'm sure you've had a full day already. So it's like, there's certain things that, that, that go without saying, but you have to really, really love it, want it. And then it's okay if you don't know, but you're trying to know is that is really the important part. So, yeah. One last question. Who is your dream guest? That's uh there's so many different directions I can go with that. I, I was asked this. You have uh, to choose our, one. One. Okay. All right. Uh, Drake is is Drake. <laughs> Drake, he's someone I've followed from Degrassi up to now. I remember when like I first heard his music and then I put it together like this is wheelchair Jimmy from Degrassi. And I, I really relate to his journey of people thinking like he wasn't capable of doing everything that he's done. People didn't want to accept him as a rapper and then they had to. And then he started, he was singing while he was rapping. And they were like, Oh, you're doing that. Like what? And then he branched off into Afro beats and now he's doing drill. And like, he's accomplished so much. People are still questioning his credibility and his ability. And he just, he keeps, he, he keeps shutting people up every single time he does anything. And now he's expanding into, you know, he's got his plane and now he's a father and now he's probably going to get back into acting too. And people are going to be shocked by that. But it's like, if you, know his story you know that's how he started out but he's just he's a person who didn't put any limitations on himself yeah. and he he was very strategic about it and that's something that I really aspire to and try to implement into my life as well so it would just be so amazing to talk to him because like you know I'm, I'm I'm a huge huge fan like he's my favorite artist all time and so I think there's a lot of things that I would ask him that a lot of people probably wouldn't because they just want to know the service level stuff like oh how's the kid or the beef will push a T what was that about and I'm like yo on this song when you said this like what did you mean and then you use that line 10 years later like all, all these different nuances that I really study and um so yeah I think I think Drake is my my dream guest this is so challenging if we're just going to keep it in a podcast context I I would really like to talk to Dark Child I'll say that Ronnie Jerkins, Ronnie Darshaw Jerkins. He's a super producer, worked with the likes of, uh, really helped create and craft Brandy Sound early on. I'm a huge, huge, I'm governor of the Brandy verse, is what I say. But um, you want to hear a fun fact? Oh, please tell me. So in fifth grade, I entered, um, well, I entered, I called a radio station uh -huh. and won tickets to eat lunch with brandy when i was in fifth grade wow did you and i yeah of course i was like mom oh, pull, pull me out yeah no i won on the radio so i was in the car with my mom and her friend and we heard this thing and i was a huge moesha fan hardcore we had like the same bedding like on our bed and i'm like this is a yeah. sign i was obsessed with her ever since and 
we're in the car and I hear on the radio that they're like, oh, you, if you call now and you're the ninth caller, you can win to eat lunch with Brandy at the radio station. So my mom's like, you should wow. call. I was like, I'm not going to get that. So I'm like, whatever, I'll call. First call, I won. Wow. And I was wow. so confused because I was so young. I didn't know what was happening. So they were like, do you have like a legal guardian <laughs> that you can talk to? And then my mom ended up pulling me out of school early and I got to go to the radio station and they did an interview in front of me, like of them too. And then I got to eat with her. She was so nice. That's and I have a picture with her somewhere on some film camera. So. <laughs> wow. You're living Nick's dream right That's... now. <laughs> well, you were back then, right? <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. Um, wow, yeah. So I think I would probably choose Dark Child. Funny story about Dark Child, as I guess we're sharing people who are connected stories. So when I was maybe six or ah, between seven and 10, I'll say probably seven or eight, uh, and I had been performing and doing music stuff already. Uh, Dark Child, is, he would go to the church that I would go to frequently. There's a mega church out kind of like uh, in our area outside of LA. He would frequently go there and whatnot and i remember he was standing on the stairs after church talking to like the pastor or whatever and you know it's kind of like people just hanging out and my aunt was like go talk to him go say what up and i was just shy and i and i didn't and i think about this like dang that's so that's my story that i'm going to talk about like i had the opportunity to go up to dark child and i didn't um and so hey never fail you're always a lesson you're going to, you're yeah. going to get. Well, right. So I think full circle, I want that to be a conversation that we can have. Like, yo, dark child, when you used to go to faith community church, I was one day I was behind you. My aunt told me to come up to talk to you and I chickened out and I didn't. <laughs> so I want to talk to him, but I've seen him interview and he's just been around a lot of the greats. Like he's worked with Whitney. He worked with, uh, from a young age too. He was prodigy. So I mean, he worked with Whitney, he's worked with Sam Smith, he's worked with Brandy, he's worked with Mary J. I mean, just everybody. Uh, and so this is the wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's also a man of faith. So I think his perspective would be very interesting for me to like kind of see like how did you sort of, you know, navigate the industry um, and, and grow as well as maintaining your principles and your beliefs and whatnot. Um, and so I, I, I think he would probably be a guest that I would, is like an underrated guest, if you will, like that wouldn't be, I think, a lot of people's expectation of me to choose him, but I think it's a, like a full circle moment. I love that. Well, thank you guys so much for making the time for this conversation. I feel like so many gems were dropped. I'm going to re-listen to this and just have like so many moments where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yes. Sure, Tell the people yeah. where they can find you on social media. Absolutely. So you can follow me at Armand Sadler on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can yeah. follow the podcast at Stay Busy Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I know Nick just recently changed his IG name, so I'll let him tell y'all his specific ads and all that. No, I, I changed it back because okay, was good, good. <laughs> I was, I was, I was thrown like, off I by that. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Um, so you can check me out on. Uh, everywhere at Nick Early Music, N-I-C-E-A-R-L-E-Y Music. Um, and you, yeah, stream my music, Nick Early, N-I-C-E-A-R-L-E-Y. Love y'all. Thank you guys so much for listening. Stay tuned for a brand new episode dropping next Wednesday at 5 p.m. <laughs>